Welcome to the Driveway Beers Podcast with Mike and Alex. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the show. Please like, subscribe, comment, and share on any platform that you're listening on. All right, welcome back to another episode. We appreciate you coming back as always. Please like, subscribe, comment, and share. Um, the likes and the shares really do help us out, irregardless of which platform you're on. Shoot, even if you want to give us a one-star review like Benny did a few months ago, that works too. Um, I want to thank uh, AnnapolisHomeExperts.com, which is Brian Schilling with Long & Foster Real Estate out of Annapolis. If you are looking for a home, looking to sell, looking to buy, Brian should be your first call. He was my real estate agent, helped me through uh, a tough buying market uh, about 10 years ago when we were competing. Basically, houses weren't even staying on the market for a week. Um, he was able to get us uh, into a home to take a look at it the day before it went on the market. We were able to put in an offer the day before that was fair and reasonable. The owners took it, and we were able to buy the house before. Uh, they were, they accepted our offer before the house even went on the market officially. With a guy like Brian, you, you're going to get benefits like that because he knows the real estate market inside and out. Um, rather than going with someone inexperienced that might not have that edge um, that he does. And we want to thank Cheers and Spirits in the Arnold Station Plaza. Of course, we are drinking the Bib and Tucker. Um, well, i got to look at the exact one we're drinking. But I bought it from... Cheers and Spirits, and this is the Small Batch Bourbon Whiskey from Bib and Tucker, age 6 years, 92 proof, 46% alcohol by volume. This is batch number 29, and it is bottle number, I need to remove the glasses to read it, bottle number, it looks like 5,308, 53,866, but I don't think that's right. I think there's something else on this bottle that I can't see. Here's, maybe I can read it. There's like something over the, like between the five and the three. Let me see. Maybe it was, maybe it was the location of the bottle or. Oh, that is small. Right? See? It doesn't help that there's a. It's like a reflection. Yeah, it's, hmm. it's weird. It's. Do they really need to know the bottle number? They're not going to go yeah. hunt for that bottle number. This could be a valuable bottle. 53,866. If it is, got to stop drinking it. It's more than half gone at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Right. There's probably some nerd out there like, you have a 53,000 series bottle and you're drinking it, idiots. Right. So, uh, whatever. But, bottle, yeah. Bottle I'm pretty sure this is 53,000. Uh, yeah. 50. Okay. All right. Yeah. Maybe that is small batch. I don't know. I don't know what small batch, batch is. Batch 29. Maybe it's the bottle overall. Maybe. You know. I'll probably keep the bottle. The bottle's cool looking. I just kicked a, an old Forester 86. Mm-hmm. I'm not keeping that bottle. Screw top. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no screw top. <laughs> that can go in the garbage. Yeah. Into the recycling bin. <laughs> so, so if you hear the if you hear the cling clang of the, the ice, I am drinking it on the rocks. Mike is drinking it neat because he's more of a man than I am. Yeah. <laughs> uh, an interesting topic. Uh, in the Supreme Court, we normally don't do Supreme Court episodes, and we probably will veer off of this topic. But essentially, I want to say a year or two ago, I want to say it's probably closer to two years ago, uh, the state of Florida and the state of Texas essentially um, made it so that social media companies could not censor you on their platform. 
I think you'd have to be a, a resident of those states, but they were supposedly not allowed to censor uh, residents of either Florida or Texas based on the law that they put in place. Um, although I think a lot of that was stayed just because it's been going through the courts ever since then. And it's gone through court of appeals, state Supreme courts. And I believe as of the recording of this, which is October 4th, this, uh, 2023, the Supreme court has decided to take the challenges of both of those laws. Uh, and they're going to combine it into one hearing with the Supreme court. And, Kind of a preview of that, uh, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas has kind of written an essay saying how social media companies enjoy the protections of Section 2, is it 203? 230. 230, sorry, got my numbers mixed up. Section 230 of the Federal Code, essentially saying that social media companies cannot be sued for what they have on their platforms because they're not publishers which is in di- it's directly opposite of what newspapers are allowed to do because newspapers are publishers and they decide what goes on their pages. Someone can sue them for misinformation, for libelous statements. Um, slander. Slander, right. They can't just print whatever because they want to. Um, well, ever since the Twitter files came out, we have seen that... Uh, Twitter or and or X at this point, uh, they were being coerced into uh, taking down posts or de, um, what's the word de, uh, basically not putting them front and center. You could you could push them down further on the list. Yeah, via there's the those shadow bans and the yeah, um, so, yeah, essentially like just de-emphasizing. And that's not the word, right? And it's not demonetized, even though they do that too, but. Um, they just they push it so people can't see it, so they yeah. can effectively the the they can shadow ban your post uh, without you even knowing it. Um, so by them controlling what is seen on their platform, um, the argument is going to be that they don't deserve the protections that Section Two Thirty provides them because they are acting like a publisher, and they're deciding what's being seen on their quote-unquote pages so that is going to go to court and i would assume that either the tech companies are going to lose that section 230 uh, protection or it's going to be decided by the supreme court that these social media companies cannot censor anything on their pages they can't de they can't uh de-platform you they can't um make it so people can't see it on purpose via an algorithm they can't uh, it, it, they basically can't do any of the shenanigans they had been doing. Now, these are billionaires upon billionaires that they're that these laws are fighting against. But on top of that, they're also fighting against the federal government that was in communications with these social media companies to to do these things. I I think if you asked the heads of those social media companies, they never wanted to get in that business to begin with. But after years of being established companies, they got some, what some people call the deep state. Yeah. Embedded in those companies. And 
they wanted to control the, the media narrative. Well, I think you've also got a lot of younger staffers that are coming out and, you know, they're going to these colleges and universities and they're getting, I don't want to say indoctrinated, but kind of indoctrinated into a certain line of thinking. So those people are willing to play ball because they, they think that they're doing what's right and should be done. So, yeah, um, yeah, they're definitely in the headspace that they're doing, you know, uh, the Lord's work by banning this stuff or, you know, kicking it off or whatever it is that they're doing. Um, Because they went to the same essentially thought factories that all the other ones did. And Dennis Prager said, you know, if you saw, you know, if you were alive in 1938 and you had the chance to kill Adolf Hitler, would you do it? And everyone's like, oh, absolutely they do it. Well, these people think that Donald Trump is the same as Adolf Hitler. And I would disagree with that. But um, there are others out there that really truly believe that he is the worst thing since Hitler. I mean, they're how quickly are they quickly are they willing to throw out Nazi this and Nazi that? Everything's fascism. Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, even like John Cusack and Mark Ruffalo, fairly big name liberals, they're throwing out words like fascism and Nazi. Right. It's like, I guarantee you, John Cusack doesn't know what the word fascism is. No, none of them do. And the thing is, meanwhile, Joe Biden's busting the railroad union st- strike busting. Which is act like the government busting up is like that's actual fascist stuff, but and she's trying to repair his image now by going to walk with the UAW workers. <sighs> like stop, you know, I, I look at that. I'm like, just stop. Yeah. So you already you busted a union shop strike over four sick days. Yeah. And now you're going to try and re ingratiate yourself with the union community mm-hmm. by walking with UAW. Yeah. And see, that's that's the kind of Democrat that my dad was, that I was, like an old school union Democrat. I'm a union worker now, and you know, to me, it's you know, um, I saw that I was like, what do you like? You guys were the party of the Democrat of of the unions, and now you're busting up, you're busting up a strike, strike busting. Like UAW has more voters. Maybe that's why he's walking with them and saying, yeah. screw the rail workers. But the rail workers, I mean, their working conditions. And no thanks to the to the strike busting Joe, were awful. Like they couldn't take a day off. Um, That's what that entire strike was over. Yeah. By the way, they wanted four sick days. Yeah. Now people are like, well, they were they were willing to give it to him as vacation days. Okay. The reason why they wanted sick days was because if you have them as vacation days, you can put in for time off, and then they're granted by seniority. All right. So let's say I wake up and I got either strep throat or I need an antibiotic and you can't get one without going to see a doctor. Yeah. So me as the rail worker, if I put in for a vacation day to go see a doctor of all things and there's not enough workers, they tell me I can't take the day off. Yeah, the day can be denied. Right. But I got to go see a doctor. Or let's say I break my arm or something. Or you have a heart attack for crying yeah. out loud. They literally won't let you take the day off because you're not the most senior guy. 
that's what that they wanted four days where they could just take off. Now, would some of them use it for non-sick days? Sure. sure. But this was also after, during COVID, the rail companies, uh, owned by Warren Buffett, of course, for the most part, um, they had already trimmed a lot of workers. So the ones that were left were just getting worked to the bone. Yeah. And that's why they wanted the sick days. And why would we want our trains to be crewed by a well-rested, healthy crew? Well, that that seems to be worked. Wasn't there a crash in Ohio? Oh, East, East Palestine, Ohio, <laughs> that no one talks about anymore, and it didn't just ha- dumped a lot of chemicals yeah, all over the place? didn't happen. Didn't happen. <laughs> Not at all. Like, I, I, I don't understand this. Like... The, the railroads used to be the robber barons of the society. Democrats were against that. Yeah. They were for the rail workers. They were for environmental controls. Here's one of the worst environmental disasters that came from a train. Mm-hmm. And it just got swept under the rug. Yeah. I, and, unreal. And I don't know if the official cause of that ever came out of, you know, whether the rail like whether the it was a track problem or equipment problem whatever it was it could have been a fatigued crew you know and it's funny i saw a social media post the other day um it's this group i follow it's like um airports and airline passengers passengers or something and this lady posts uh pilots unions pilots unions are the worst thing to ever happen there i said it and it's like um so you don't want your pilots to be well rested, <laughs> like, right? A lot of that stuff that's in there is because it came through uh, contract. Like some of it was, I want the captain of my flight to be able to say, "Hey, the weather's not safe. We're not flying." And prior to that, the airline could say, "No, you are flying, and if you don't fly, you're fired." So I want the actual person that's responsible for that aircraft to be able to make the decision whether it's safe to fly or not. Not some corporate, you know, uh, some guy in, in a dispatch center who just wants to make sure that that airplane can get to its next destination because that's a more profitable flight. Yeah. And, and they're definitely overworking pilots right now because there aren't enough to fly the flights. That, that That's why anyone who's been on a flight knows that almost every single flight is full. It's jam-packed right now. Mm-hmm. That's why prices are through the roof. Um the airline companies have actually unmothballed their large jets and they're starting to fly them not just on the international flights some of them are flying them on long range domestic flights too mm-hmm. for example um, the Boeing A380 which is a the huge double decker oh the Airbus yep. A380 yep uh, what did I say Boeing yeah yeah my bad uh, the Airbus A380 big big plane it's a huge double decker plane a passenger plane. A lot of uh, a lot of the Arab companies fly. It's like Emirates. Uh, what's the? Uh, there's Emirates. Qatar. Uh, yeah, there's Emirates, Qatar, and uh, it's Etihad. Etihad. That's yeah. the one. So Etihad has a huge. Used to have a huge f- uh, fleet of A380s. Mm-hmm. And um, they they had moth they had mothballed the planes right before uh, right uh, during COVID basically. 
So coming out of COVID, when there was huge demand for flights, they had to bring them back into service. So they did the maintenance, they brought them back into service, and now they're thinking, because they don't have the pilots to to man all the short-haul flights, they want to use the A380 or another wi- other wide-body aircraft to do shorter flights because mm-hmm. there's so many people they can sell the they can sell the tickets. Yeah. Um, the problem is is that the the hull not the hull the wings I believe and the landing gear aren't made for that many takeoffs and landings. Yeah. They're so not as durable. Yeah. There there's big jets there. So you've got flight hours and then you've got cycles. So. A 737 or an A320, smaller, I'm sure everyone's been on one. If you're not an airplane person and you've flown from, like, D.C. to Miami, you've been on either a 737 or an A320 series aircraft. Anyone on a Southwest flight. Yeah, 737. They're a single-type operator. So you've been on one of these airplanes, and they're single, they're, you know, um, narrow-body, single-aisle and but they're made to for a lot of cycles, and a cycle is a takeoff and a landing. So you might have a jet that doesn't have as many hours on the airframe, but has a ton of cycles. So um, Hawaiian was one of those airlines that their seven thirty sevens had a ton of cycles because people would fly from like the big island to one of the small islands. It's not a long flight; it has like no hours on it, but it's got a, a bunch of cycles. There's actually a crash where metal fatigue was. It's it. The crew was able to land the airplane, but pretty much a third of the fuselage, the roof ripped off of it. Jeez. And it was, and from the cycles, you have pressurization, depressurization. So it's going up and down and then impact on the landing. So all that stuff's getting a lot of wear and tear. Where the big A380, because it's flying 14 hour flights to Sydney from Los Angeles, that 14 hour flight includes one cycle where the 737 that flies 14 one-hour flights has 14 cycles. So, yeah, they're not made for that kind of, you know. Um, yeah. So uh, so Airbus and Boeing are now thinking about uh, beefing up landing gear for more cycles on big aircraft uh, because the demand's so high. Um, but in the meantime, they're just taxing the, the poo out of their pilots yeah well then when you start doing that you're also looking at so so say you're gonna you're you want to compress a whole bunch of small flights into one so you're gonna use now no american carriers fly the a380 but let's just say united had one and they wanted to fly one to compress they wanted to do kennedy to tampa because that's a big high intensity route so they're using A380. They're also going to go, you don't need suites for a two-hour flight. No one's going to pay that kind of money to have a first-class suite like you would on a 14-hour flight. Right. So they're going to switch to a high-density configuration. So now you're adding more passengers, more baggage, which, of course, in the end, the airplane doesn't care how many people are on board. The airplane cares how much it weighs. Right. So now it's a, so the Asian carriers will use an A380 in a high density configuration, but they've been using them on shorter haul flights forever because there's just so many people that are going to so many different places that, air, that travel by air is the only way to do it. Um, you know, you can't drive from one island in 
uh, you know, the, in Malaysia to another one. You have to fly. If they have 400 people per flight, they're going to use a high-density A380. That's what we need the... We need the, the boat car. <laughs> so you can drive. <laughs> Build a bridge. Yeah, do, do one of the, those... Uh, what is it? The, the duck tours? Yeah. You take, yeah. Your, take your duck boat. <laughs> what was it? The, the V-Dub, the... the they call it the the swim the swim swim wagon. We're just coming up with solutions over yeah. here to the problem. We don't need pilots. We need swim wagons. Yeah, but uh, the the air the pilots unions are the people that are kind of fighting the you know because they have duty time limits and the FAA is involved too. But I remember flying back from Europe once. It was a super long delay, and essentially, if we hadn't taken off within the hour we would have to turn around and go back to the gate for a new crew because they would be exceeding their duty time yeah they would be okay for the takeoff but they'd be not okay for the landing right so without that union working in conjunction with the faa that regulation would, and now you have a, a a pilot who's been up for 23 hours landing your airplane i don't know i i, I don't i mean i've driven after being awake for 23 hours and it gets sketchy you know what they're gonna say mike Everything's on autopilot. Yeah. It's yeah. fine, dude. Right. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, until you got to land the damn thing. Yeah. Now, Asian carriers use what they call cruise pilots. And cruise pilots are essentially, so your senior crew, your captain, first officer, take off, get to altitude, and then they go in the back and go to sleep. Yeah, they, they have rooms for them. Yeah. And the cruise pilot takes over. The cruise pilot... All they're doing is, if something goes wrong, they go wake up the real guy. Right. But if something goes wrong like that, well, now what do you do? Well, now you, send, you, you send one of the guys yeah. to go get the other guys. Yeah. yeah. And then the other guy shits his pants. Right. <laughs> so um, there have been incidents where a cruise pilot screws something up, and they wake up the actual pilot too late. And by that time, by the time he rubs the fog out of his eyes and figures out what's going on, they're in the drink. He's dead. Yeah. So... You know, wake up. Yeah. Basically, I wonder if that's what happened on the Malaysian flight. Remember the one they could never find? That was aliens. Probably. <laughs> Space lasers. Shot it down. One of them. Space lasers from an alien ship. Shot it down. Who knows? Possibly. It's possible. Because we don't, we don't know what happened. So, aliens. Yeah. You heard it here first. <laughs> Factual podcast. <laughs> All we do is facts. All we do is facts, facts, facts. Um, we started this off by talking about Section Two Thirty, though. Yeah. So, <laughs> so one of the one of the issues that's kind of come up, and it was, I don't want to say it was surprising. So, liberals will have you believe that only the evil conservatives were having this issue because they were saying uh, inflammatory, negative falsehoods and misinformation and disinformation and all, to all the gullibles out there. Um, and they deserve to be censored. Yeah. Right? Because we can't have that. Can't have that. They're, the people would, they, they fall for anything. How can we let them put out their disinformation? The mouth breathers. They'll believe it, of all things. They won't believe us. 
They're going to believe them. Yeah. Stupid Trumpies. Oh, my God. Okay. So it's fine when that happened to them. But what's that old saying? And I'm probably going to misquote this, but basically it's fine when the, when they did it to them, it was fine. When they did it to them, it was fine. And then they came for you. Yeah. Okay. Well, except now, they can't come for you if you label you as right wing. Mm-hmm. So, former liberal strongholds, Jimmy Dore, is now right wing. Yeah. Joe Rogan, right wing. Bill Maher is right wing. Bill Maher, in the last year, has become right wing. Yeah. Who knew? Yeah. After 70 years, he's just magically right wing. Yeah. Russell Brand, as left as he gets, social medicine himself, mm-hmm. socialism, help, uh, no poverty. He was a rock star, a drug addict, everything they like. Everything. <laughs> now, for the last year or so, has been labeled right wing. Yeah. And YouTube finally demonetized Russell Brand. Well, that was after they had a whole bunch of people come through and say that he... Yes. Yeah. That he raped them. Oh, well, yeah. So there was one... It's so... They, they do this in the headlines and... I'm, I'm paraphrasing and stealing a lot of this from Dave Smith um, from his uh, Part of the Problem podcast. But essentially, they take, they say, you know, allegations come forth that Russell Brand sexually assaulted, or several women claim that Russell Brand raped them and was controlling. So the analogy they they uh, came up, you know, kind of said it was like, that's like me saying you murdered somebody and you failed to ter- use your turn signal when you turned. So you might have 30 people that say that you failed to use your turn signal when you turned and there might be some stretched out kind of maybe you killed somebody, but we're not sure. The problem is, is that there's no, but they just instantly pulled the plug on you, uh, demonetized based upon the allegation alone. So, and I'm sure Russell Brand wasn't a saint. I mean, he's an admitted former drug addict, you know. When he said um, he's not a saint. Yeah. You you, you can't call, you know, you call a bumblebee a bumblebee in a derogatory way, and they admit that they're the bumblebee. He's like, yes, I I had consensual sex with this woman. Yeah. as As a guy with two daughters... I will always believe my daughters if something like this happens. Mm-hmm. That being said, there there was a case that went to discovery lately, and Trevor Bauer. Yeah, I was just about to bring it up. Yep. So Trevor Bauer was a pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers, and allegations came out that he, I believe, raped and abused a woman, and so the Dodgers said they did their due diligence and they basically let him go. Mm-hmm. And no other team would pick him up because he's toxic at this yeah. point, right? So I, I want to say it's been, what, almost two years? Well, she was trying to get money out of him and he said no. He stood his ground, paid all the legal fees for his own defense and it finally went to court. 
Well, once you go to court, there's something called discovery. Mm-hmm. And essentially, the accuser had to hand over their phone and their phone records, or I believe they got it from the carrier that you have. In discovery, everything becomes available. If someone They can ask for anything they want, and you have to produce it. It doesn't even have to pertain to the case. And they got her text messages. And the text messages were basically between her and her friend before she even met him. Basically saying, I'm going to go after him. He's worth $51 million. Yeah. And then they found a video on her phone that she took of herself. And the video is of both of them laying in bed together. And she kind of pans over to him and then back to her. And she kind of winks at the camera with this sly smile on her face. Yeah. Well, that was the day she said that she had been beaten the night before. Yeah. Except now, in this video, the day after supposedly this happened, she had no bruises on her face like she said she did. Essentially, she fabricated all of it to get money. Mm-hmm. And she admitted as such even after that date. And the friend's even saying, go get that money, girl. Go get oh, that yeah. bag. And they're literally plotting it out. Mm-hmm. And so, essentially, in Discovery, it all comes out that she was full of shit. And he finally now gets to come out. And he showed the text messages. He showed the video from her phone. He got to keep all the Discovery. Oh, yeah. And he sued her. He, he, sued, he sued her, too. Well, so there were countersuits, but at the end of the day, he said he they settled so yeah. that neither one were going to pay money in either direction. He just wanted his name back, basically. Yeah, and he said, because I watched the whole video, and, and he said that um, he spent more money in legal fees than she will ever make in her entire life. Yeah. And he's fine with it mm-hmm. because he's vindicated. Right. And that's what I have, the problem I have with this knee-jerk reaction to just, someone comes and makes an allegation... And now, and when you make an allegation as as strong as rape, I mean, that's, if someone raped one of my children, I'd murder them. I'm going to say it right here. Like, it, it, like that's the next logic. And I'll spend the rest of my life in jail happy. Right. What do you hear? Uh, someone raped my kid and I murdered them. All right, dog. You good. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I, like that's, that's, I don't think there's any dad here that would think any different. Um, so it's such a strong thing to just go and flippantly put out there. And then when you have jerk, and you can't see my air quotes, journalists, Mm -hmm. um, saying this without, with no verification, nothing, they just put it out there. And now you've got, now Russell Brand has plenty of money. It's not like he's going to be hurting. Like he's not going to be on the street because, YouTube demonetized. He's probably going to explode on other platforms. Right. Um, I always watch him on Rumble, so I haven't watched one. But he was, he's going to explode, just like when they went after Joe Rogan. He exploded. They, you know, Fox fired Tucker Carlson. He exploded on X. He's got more viewers now than he ever had on TV. So you know, it blows up in their face. And but the fact remains that you have other people that aren't as that haven't. Was achieved escape velocity. Right. That that's a serious. So those people have to toe the line. Right. 
You know what? Shameless plug. You know who else is on Rumble? We are. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you can listen to us on Rumble. Yeah. That was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. Um, it's it's really there. Are, I, I want to be sensitive to this, but there are some women that have weaponized Me Too, the Me Too movement, mm-hmm. and they've used it for nefarious purposes. Unfortunately, though, it's come at the detriment of other women. Because there are probably some cases where some women are coming forward for something horrible that happened to them, and they're not going to be believed because this situation with Trevor Bauer has come out. Yeah, it, Proving that there are women that do this. Well, if one woman does it, well, why don't the other ones do it too? Mm-hmm. Well, that's not always the case. Like, it... it the me the me too movement wasn't supposed to be you know, weaponizing the media against men it was supposed to be bringing uh bad people to light yeah like harvey weinstein like harvey weinstein yeah like like that yeah. you know and, and others and who's the, the dude that just got convicted and sentenced to he was in that set danny masterson oh dude that was yeah. creepy yeah that's Scientology shit, and look, I don't want to die tomorrow. So if I if I get off the next week, you know, Scientology did it. But that shit is creepy as hell, man. Like, have you seen um, Going Clear? Is that with Leah Ramini? I, I think it's with her, or I mean, she did something. Yeah, I, I think it is her. But man, that that shit's creepy as hell, man. That that's almost like, um, it's like more powerful than the. Uh, I want to use FLDS. That's not right. The the old school Mormon polygamist sex. Mm-hmm. Not, not not all Mormons are polygamists. I'm not saying that, but there was a there is a group that is that's yeah. very much in the devout old school Mormonism, right? Because you Mormon, I think the the, the Church of Latter Day Saints actually said no, no more polygamy. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not I'm not saying Mormons. I'm, yeah. there, there is a group that calls themselves Mormons that follow that old rule and whatnot. Um. And that that that's crazy too, but this is like take that and multiply the coerciveness and power by twenty. I mean, they control the crap out of people. I think they just get compromise on people, and I don't doubt it. There's always been rumors floating around that like John Travolta's gay, but it never <laughs> comes out. Comes out. Same with Tom Cruise, right? You know, and they're both heavy, like big time into it so you know maybe that's they just get dirt on you and maybe but I mean, they, they they have their hooks in some people man like Le- uh, Leah Remini and like uh, maybe two other, I mean she was the most high profile one to come out of it and somehow she's not dead like everyone else uh, the, other, the other minor players always seem to you know disappear on a beach somewhere or like uh, people that like Used to work for the Clintons. <laughs> I didn't say that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but I might know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, because I, I, I... Shit, man. We do this shit in a basement, we could easily disappear. Yeah. So, if we do disappear, I'm not suicidal. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't... 
I did not die of my own cord. Yeah. <laughs> I did not shoot myself in the back of the head twice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I don't own rope. Right. Right. <laughs> so if rope happens to appear, it ain't mine. Um, but that that's some crazy. Like that's why it's funny. Like the same people that believe that Scientology is like a cult and shit, or like the old school Mormons, like for the what was that dude's name, Jeff. Uh, he went to jail. Uh, I can't remember the dude's name, but the, it was like the Mormon sect leader out in like Arizona or some shit. Went to jail. Like they'll believe that shit in a heartbeat. Oh, they're harming women. They're holding him hostage. And but like they they won't think like there might be some some Scientology. Like they won't believe like there's some deep state shit yeah. in the government too. Like a, a different cult altogether. Right. With some weird ritualistic shit happening. And, oh, by the way, they just happen to run the world. <laughs> That's too far-fetched. But the thing is, like, Russell Brand was okay as long as he towed the establishment line. He goes against the establishment and take him down. Um, and the thing is, I don't know... Like, when you think of what, what happened... Like, what happened to him when they went after Joe Rogan, um, Tucker Carlson, when they do these things, like, they have so many followers, and people that are listening to Russell Brand and Joe Rogan are also listening to other uh, podcasts and stuff that doesn't come from the mainstream media. If you just watch mainstream media, even if you just watch Fox News, you're only getting what the corporate media wants you to hear. So you go outside of it, and okay, so they just took down Russell Brand. Well, okay, I can listen to Dave Smith. I can listen to Joe Rogan. I can listen to Redacted. I can listen to all these other these sources who are all going to say like, "Hey, that's effed up." Right. But I think they're just so they they think so much of themselves that you know, oh, we took care of him, you know. But I think it's also a uh, you know a warning to all the other ones that they better knock it off too. Because, yeah, it's weird though. It only seems to come from one side. Mm-hmm. It's it's funny because like if you if you're on the conservative side of politics, they're not quick to take down another person on the conservative side of politics. They'll argue with them, say they don't disagree, and they move on. They don't try and deplatform that person. Yeah. It's only one side that seems to want to deplatform. Yeah. And I guess it's you could you could and the weird thing is you could even say that it was in Trump's own administration they did it. So it was technically a Republican administration, but the FBI and and whoever else was involved was still doing it. So and that's why I, I tend to think, you know, the, the president that you elect or that we elect may not matter if there's another faction that's really running things. No, I don't think it matters at all. And I think that's the problem they had with Trump because he wasn't establishment. Mm-hmm. But the whole um, apparatus within government is still establishment. 
they were put in power by establishment. They become establishment. Their status quo is establishment. Um, so he's making a bunch of noise, like, let's get rid of him. But in the other, you know, the other vein of that with the administrative state, you know, high ranking, maybe not, um, appointees, but as close as you can get, they're all still there regardless of who's in charge. I don't think it matters one at all who you vote for. They've picked the candidates um, to represent to to represent their best interests. So, you know, if you had, say, you had um, Romney Obama, it really didn't matter to them which one won the election because they donate to both sides. Right. So they're hedging their bet. They're both going to do their bidding, you know. And Obama dropped more bombs than anybody else, and they actually ran out of bombs. <laughs> To drop, which was great if you're Raytheon or Northrop Grumman, because you just now we have to buy more bombs to drop. So I don't think they they don't care now. When you have an outlier, they would have done the same thing to Bernie Sanders had he won. They would have done the same thing to Tulsi Gabbard had she won. Well, Um, Bernie's already yeah towing the line again. Yeah, well, I think they whipped him into shape. They they got to him. Yeah, but you know, and I disagree with like. Ocasio-Cortez on just about all of her policy positions. However, when she came in, I was like, okay, she knocked off this establishment person who's been there forever, you know, the geritocracy. Um, This is cool. Let's see what she does. And what did she do? She fell right in line. She was in a town hall arguing for war in Ukraine. (laughs) I thought you were a socialist, super bartender, blah, blah, blah. Eh, A lot of that's bullshit. I think she went to Brown. You know, like, we're not talking like, oh, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. Like, you know, you're not Jenny from the block. But to think, that, okay, here's someone different, you know. But what do they do? They fall right in line. The Democrats do it a lot better than the Republicans do. You know, as you just saw with getting rid of McCarthy. Yeah. Um, the hard right. Fall, they don't seem to fall in line as much. Yeah. So, I'm, you know, when Ocasio-Cortez came in and kind of acted like all of them, I was like, okay, you know, that's disappointing. So She got elected as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, but she probably has a prior life where she was uh, Alejandra uh, Ruiz, who yeah. went to Brown yeah. and, and got that Ivy League education. Yeah. And she's married to some simp white guy. Like, Did she actually marry him? I thought she was, was a boyfriend. dating, whatever. Um, uh, but... You know, you'd expect that someone who's going to come in like that is going to come in and actually do something different. Maybe caucus with pre-whipped into shape Bernie Sanders. Nope. They just toe the line. So. Yeah. And so hopefully with this uh, Supreme Court ruling, which is essentially a ruling on Section 203, 230, essentially a ruling on Section 230. Um, and the, and the reason why I say that is because let, let's say they uphold section 230 as long as the, as long as the, uh, social media companies, and that includes YouTube do not censor. Basically they're, they're not dictating what goes on their platform. 
they're going to have to accept some really crappy viewpoints. Like, if you go on Gab, have you ever heard of that one? No. So Gab got popular when um, Twitter was getting rid of a lot of people. Um, so I, I was curious. I created an account. Man, there's some shitty people on there. Like, the, like I hate black people. I hate Jews. I hate all this. Like, it was like the worst of the worst was there. Mm-hmm. But people were going there because it was they weren't being censored. Right. And they kind of put up with that garbage so that they could have a place where they could still speak. Now, Democrats are finding this out with like Mastodon and the other, like, the alt platforms suck. Yeah. They all do. Even like, even the one Facebook created, which was what, um, threads. It, it was all the talk for like a month and nobody went over there. There was no interaction. And so nobody, nobody's using it. Yeah. And it, it's kind of like some of these social media platforms are going to have to eat shit. Allow, because once it opens the gates, the, these people are going to come on. Now, at the same time, I think YouTube will have uh, a useful tool in their pocket. Because, yes, they might have to allow those views on the platform. But they don't have to monetize it. Mm-hmm. Right? They don't have section two thirty doesn't say that they have to equally apply rules for monetization. You know, you can you might get uh, three strikes and you're out of monetization, but your videos can still be viewed, mm-hmm. right? Because at the end of the day, you don't have a right to make a living off of YouTube, but you do have a right to post whatever you want onto YouTube. Yeah, and I think that's essentially what's going to come down. Which most people, if they're not making money on YouTube. They're going to stop making YouTube videos. Yeah. You know, They'll uh, go someplace else. Or, or they're just that narcissistic. Yeah. You know, like, or if oh, they're not, if they're not getting traction, you know, if they're not getting a bunch of views and I'm not sure where it falls in with like shadow bands and, and, you know, not pushing that content, you know, saying, Oh, Hey, this guy's like kind of freaking kind of an asshole. And, you know, but the other thing is like, if someone's going to be on, on there spewing hate and vitriol, like let them do it. Cause to me, like, Okay, now I know that guy's an asshole. Right. You know, and I don't think that anyone is going to be like, like I'm not going to watch that and watch some, you know, racist, you know, asshole talking about the all this stuff, and then all of a sudden, convince, be like, oh, you know what? I think I'm a racist too, because this guy convinced me like, no, this guy's a freaking clown, and. Um, everyone who's watching him and, fu- and agreeing with him already agree with him prior. They just found someone who echoed their own sentiment. Yeah, it, it, it was so like when we were in Florida one time. We were it was this was years ago. We were down in Orlando, and and this it's happened recently, but this happened when we were there. We're driving under an overpass, and there are these guys waving Nazi flags and all this stuff, and it, like they're being they're doing their Nazi thing, whatever mm-hmm. they want. And my wife's like, oh, they shouldn't be allowed to do that. I said, most certainly they should be allowed to do that. I want people to see them. Yeah. Because the more people see them, the more they realize, one, you can't ignore it. Mm-hmm. But two, they speak against it. Or they they mention how ridiculous those people are or how they look or what they're saying is stupid. Rather than if they don't see it and they don't hear it, then people don't think it exists. And you're not, and you're not vigilant against it. You're not prepared against it. 
you just don't think it exists. It's like, oh, that doesn't happen. Yeah. No, it does. And there, and you can see them right there with mm-hmm. your own eyes. Like, it wasn't like it was planned. We didn't know yeah. that was happening. We just happened to drive under an overpass, and these clowns were there. Mm-hmm. Well, and it happened recently again. And they're like, oh, well, Florida allows this to happen. Good. Allow it to happen so people can see how stupid and ridiculous yeah. it is. Well, it's like when the ACLU defended the Nazis' right to to march in, I think it was Skogie, Illinois. And it was like 12 Nazis showed up and 12,000 counter-protesters showed up. Mm-hmm. Um, that Having those assholes come out there and do that brought all those other people together against it, against them. So people who would never realize that they were united in their in their in their um united against this awful idea so yeah but to pretend it doesn't exist it most certainly does it's never going to go away nope. you know there's always going to be some asshole out there that you're not going to control one billion people on this planet to yeah. all think the same right we're not predispositioned that way you're going to have some people that hate someone for the way that they look. And mm-hmm. it probably it probably stems from something that happened to them when they were younger. Yeah. You know, someone someone did them wrong. And yeah. Now they hate everyone from that or, group. Or they were just raised that way, not knowing any different because their parents raised them that way. Right. But something like look happened. at look at the Waynesboro Baptist Church when they would come out and protest soldiers' funerals. And then what happened? All the vet motorcycle gang not gangs, but motorcycle groups would show up. And even some of the gangs would show up. And they sit there and they drown them out with their motorcycle engines. Those people were, so you showed that huge united cause against that awful message. And, you know, the, the best defense, the best weapon against bad speech is good speech. Bad ideas is good ideas. So, you know, and I don't want to see neo-Nazis running around protesting, but it's their right to do so. But it's also our right to come out and protest against it. Well, and, the, and I think there's also something to be said for if they're out there. Not that I want my girls to see it, but I want them to know there are people that are that are out there that don't like you. Mm-hmm. You need to be careful. It's not all, you know, bubblegum and rainbows, right? Yeah. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to drive them to a Nazi rally so they can see right. it. But so if they yeah. happen to see them, like, here's... Hey, do these brass knuckles fit? Here you go. Right. No. <laughs> you remember that jujitsu you learned? Yeah. Well, ne- be sure to choke one of them out. Yeah. Right. Um. It, it's it's definitely. I feel like people who want to silence another group are afraid that the message will take hold against their message. Well, if you have a better argument. It's going to win out. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to debate ideas because you don't feel like yours is going to win out. That's not how you win. And it's it's, it's kind of like like when yeah, like you talked about with um, counter protesters. Counter protesters over the last few years have taken more of a violent stance, and it's definitely yeah. the Antifa section. Yep. And all it's done is to make Antifa look like a militant group of assholes. Whereas, let's say there was a neo-Nazi rally in Illinois. 
and let's say you assume a thousand are going to show up. Okay, well, you show up with five thousand, mm-hmm. and all you do is just line the route because then that one thousand people they see how many people are against them. That alone is enough to deter maybe one or two people from being in that group. Yeah. Like, oh, wait, maybe we're, maybe we don't have, maybe this isn't the way to think. Or at the very least, it could push them back into hiding. Mm -hmm. The point being, when you go out there and you take 5,000 people and you try to beat up a thousand people because they have those views, you then look like the animal. Yeah. Not them. They, they had their permit. Mm -hmm. They had their, they marched in the route that they were assigned to. Because in this country, you have to get permits. That's how they know where to counter protest. Yeah. And I'm not saying I agree with what they're doing. But what I'm saying is, is that if you go and you just stand along the route, don't say anything. Don't move against them. Just stand there with your numbers. Mm-hmm. You will do. You will do more of what you actually wanted to do than if you go and beat the shit out of them. Yeah. Because when you beat the shit out of them, you actually just did their recruiting for them. Yeah, now you're and you're on the same level they are. Right. Well, you, you all that shit that they were spewing, all the hate, all the everything that they called you, you just proved them right. Mhm. Which uh, and other people are now seeing it cuz now you're on the news. You've proven them correct. You've recruited more people for them. So next time instead of 1000, Maybe they got 2,000 because they, they saw what you did on TV. That's what I'm saying. If you just go and you stand there and you silently protest. I mean, Martin Luther King Jr. was one that said, you know, the, uh, well, the, the nonviolence is the answer. Mm-hmm. He didn't say don't show up. Yeah. But nonviolence was the answer. Mm-hmm. It speaks so much louder than violence, especially in those situations. Is is pertains to um, silencing or, or or censoring a group. In some ways, you're making that voice more interesting to others. It's like when you ban a book, more people want to read the book. Yeah. Well, if you're banning a voice, more people want to hear that voice because they want to see why you banned it. You're gain you're you're gaining their audience. So then they say, okay, well you you're off this platform altogether. Well, they're going to go somewhere else. And, for example, someone like a Steven Crowder, right? Demonetized on YouTube. I don't think he posts there anymore. And he still gets more interaction. Now, he doesn't get more views necessarily, but he gets more interaction on Rumble. Mm-hmm. Which, for him, doesn't hurt his advertising. Because you could still say he's getting more interactions. But anyway, my, my point being, you probably gave Steven Crowder more of an audience by demonetizing him on, on YouTube. Which is the complete opposite of what you wanted. Yeah. You could have let him stay in complete obscurity to most of the country if you just would have left him alone. And not, and not censored his speech. Plain and simple. Now, if he starts to gain more of an audience, you let him. Because if his if his words are doing more to convince people than your words, 
well, maybe you don't have a great argument yeah. anymore. You know, it, it's kind of like, I mean, people don't, people just know that the Nazis were bad people and they caused the war, and, and but they never study the reason why it became. And it was because it was a depressed people mm-hmm. that needed hope. Yeah. Okay, well, people look for hope in some strange places. And they're going to look for it where you're telling them not to look. So, I don't know. I'll be interested to see what the Supreme Court says about this, though. Um, I'll also be interested to see, uh, even if it's a conservative vote, I'll be interested to see if it goes uh, 6-3 along party lines or if there's actually a little bit more sway one way or the other. Mm -hmm. I'll just be interested to see how it goes. Yeah. You got anything else? No, not really. Just, um, I mean, I've always been against any sort of censorship at all. Um, especially the type of state directed stuff we kind of saw, you know, earlier. And it's always funny when, you know, two, three years ago, the lab leak theory would have gotten you banned off all the platforms. Now it's pretty much the accepted, <laughs> like, reason of what happened. That, so that's creepy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, you know, and anyone who's been around that sort of thing would be like, oh, yeah, that was a lab leak. Like, you know, um, you know, if you're really experienced with something like, you know, say you were uh, the captain of an oil tanker and all of a sudden there was like a whole bunch of oil that washed up on shore, you'd be like, oh, you know, an oil tanker probably. Oh, no, that's not what happened. It was, you know, it was a, a, a special whale that has oil in it and it threw up. And that's where all the oil came from. And you say, no, I'm pretty sure it was an oil tanker that ran aground. Nope, you're banned, gone. But then three years later, like, yeah, it was probably an oil tanker. Like, it, but the, what bothers me so much is that everyone just eats it up. Nobody questions it. They just like, like lemmings, like sheep, like, oh, okay. MSNBC told me, CNN told me, okay. How do these people have any credibility anymore? And that's another big issue where now the government has lost, like the CDC can come out and tell me just about anything. Like, nah, I don't think so. Well, especially now. I mean, you've got some, uh, uh, his, I think on YouTube, he's called Chief Nerd or something like that. I don't know his actual name, but he was touted by the government as being an authority on COVID shots and whatnot. Well, now he's coming out and saying he's not going to get the booster Mm -hmm. because he says he has enough immunity from his prior, prior jabs and uh, he got COVID. Yeah. He's got natural immunity too. Two years ago, he got it. He's still saying he's got natural. He's still got the immunity from it. Mm -hmm. But initially, when some scientists were talking about the COVID origins, Brett Weinstein in particular, he went on Joe Rogan and he talked about how there was no way this virus jumped from animals to humans in one one jump like they said it did. Because that's not how viruses work. Mm-hmm. There has to be levels of mutation that occur in order for it to go from animal to human. 
And he was also, because he was talking about the Wuhan lab at the time. And this was when Wuhan lab talk got you thrown off. Yeah. They call you racist for it. Sure. And you know, the late night shows were talking about how the Wuhan theory was a conspiracy. And all three of them, all those three major night, it was, it was a, if you go back and look at it, what was said. It's unreal how coordinated that shit yeah. was. So wait, I used to listen to, I used to watch Jimmy Fallon every night. I, I can't, I can't watch it anymore. It's just the same. It's just warmed over just nonsense jokes. And it's not, it's not funny. And then, but if you listen to, if you, if you watch the three of them, they're all doing the same stuff. Like, where are you taking, getting your marching orders from? And why is everyone okay with it? That's the really scary, is everyone's okay with it. You know, they're all like, oh, okay, yeah, it's fine. And you talk to people, you think, you know, oh, just regular everyday folks, and they're, you know, they're fine with it. They still get the New York Times. I wouldn't believe anything the New York Times said. I don't know how you can anymore. Yeah. It, they, they've sacrificed their own credibility. So, you know, that was the paper of record. The gray lady. I'm like, it's garbage. Washington Post. My dad read the Washington Post every day. I used to read it every day. I wouldn't buy, I wouldn't pay I you could pay me to read it right now. Yeah. And this this pertains more to Pfizer than anything, but it kind of it, it kind of goes along with censorship in a little bit. If I you're already going to know one of these Actually, I'll phrase it a little differently. Let's make it more of a fun game. How many countries in the world allow for direct marketing for pharmaceutical companies to consumers? I think it's two. It's us and New Zealand. Correct. Two. Yeah. But New Zealand, it's not the way it is here. Right. Here, they show the, they sell all kinds of stuff and it's all like, you know, it's almost like they're inventing conditions to sell you drugs. So I occasionally watch live TV because I, I do like watching some football, as, yeah. we, as we all know. Brought to you by Pfizer. 75% of the commercials are pharmaceutical pharmaceutical drugs. Yeah. Some of this shit is crazy. Like, have you ever experienced uh, a tingling in your undersack? <laughs> it could be atrial fibrillation. Yeah. Well, we have a cure for that called, uh, or not, not a cure. We have a treatment for that called uh, Rise Up, Rise Reza. Yeah. And it's a once daily pill or a once monthly pill. Yeah. That you just happen to have to stay on for Forever. the rest of your life. <laughs> and it probably doesn't do shit because all of the studies that went to the FDA to get it approved were provided by Pfizer. There's no independent study of the drug. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I encourage anyone to watch something called Dope Sick. And I wish I could remember the other one with Matthew Broderick. Yeah, I started watching it. I watched the Matthew Broderick one first. And then watch Dope Sick. Oh, yeah. right. so you would go that way? Dope Sick so much better. I, I agree. I like Dope Sick better. Yeah. It had it, it felt like a better... I just thought it was a better show. Story, yeah. Yeah. And yes, there were probably some 
liberties taken, but yeah. the funny thing, you watch both of them, the story's basically the same. Yeah, but I definitely watch watch the broader one first. Yeah. And I forget what it's called. Something about pain. Painkiller? Yes. But watch that one first, just because... You're gonna if you watch Dope Sick first, it's harder to get into the other one. Yeah, you're right. It, it's not as well done. Yeah, um, Dope Sick was very well done. I yeah, um, both of them will piss you off equally though. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, actually, I think Dope Sick makes the Sackler family look worse, which yeah. was hard to do <laughs> <laughs> after Dope Sick because Dope Sick made him look plenty bad. Yeah. Um. But after watching that, I don't know how anyone can trust the FDA ever again. As far as new drugs that get approved being safe. Mm-hmm. Until other countries approve them, I don't know if I will ever trust another drug, a newer drug that's approved by the FDA. I, just, I, I don't know how anyone can. Yeah. It's, it's a bought and paid for agency. It's funded by the industry. The people that are approving drugs leave and go work for the industry. Yeah. It's literally like the SEC... Is a highway from Golden Goldman Sachs and back. You know, there, it's literally the banking industry creating rules for the banking industry. Mm-hmm. Well, the FDA is creating rules for the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. The pharmaceutical industry creating rules for the pharmaceutical industry. It's unbelievable. It's just like agriculture creating rules for agriculture through the USDA. And then they all do it right. <laughs> but it, it's like you're approving drugs and then and then marketing them heavily to the United States. To the people in the United States, so they go to the doctor and say, "Hey, how come you're not prescribing me this drug? I have all these symptoms that they said." And I have restless leg syndrome. I need this this new pill. I bounce my leg all the time. Yeah, I need that pill. You should be prescribing me. And if you're not going to prescribe it to me, I'm going to go to another doctor. Yeah, and you're not going to get paid from the insurance company, doctor, because you didn't because you lost another patient. Yep. It's it's unreal. And yes, I get it. It's a Hollywood production. And I could rail on Hollywood from Six Ways to Sunday. But they're telling you the truth in this one. I'm surprised, actually. Well, I think because DuPont and the Sacklers were just so evil. But well, at, that, at that point, it, the Sacklers got sued in court. So everything was public record at yeah. that point. You know what I mean? A lot of times you don't get that information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, they had all the records and they had the discovery and all that other yeah. shit. I, mean, I don't know, man. I I just don't understand how people can still believe the medical journals in this country that are owned by the industry. Yeah. The American Medical Association is bought and paid for. The the um what what is what is the journal that they use? The American Medical. No, the, so there's the New England Journal of Medicine. That one. Um, and what's the other one? I forget. There's there's a there's like there's the there's a pediatric one. There's like all the specialties have their own. So look at who owns those publications. They're owned by people uh, companies in the industry. They're not independent. Yeah. They publish what they want. Or they publish what they want you to see. Yeah. The fact that these government agencies that are set out to protect us, they're just doing the bidding of the industries that they're supposed to regulate. Yeah. And yet we're supposed to put this stuff in our bodies? And don't worry, I took the jab. I got it. 
Yeah, I, I got three I, of them. I also, uh, yeah, I got I got uh, the regular and the two boosters. Mm-hmm. But now I know more than I did before. Or at least now know enough to be skeptical. And other people aren't. Yeah. And and then the reasons they were so against ivermectin and um, hydrochloroquine and all that. Because if there's another treatment, they lose their emergency use authorization. So Correct. they had to shit on those other treatments continually because if you're saying, well, no, ivermectin's effective, well, then all of a sudden there's no need to have, a, have an EUA for the experimental um, mRNA vaccine, which I think is even the other part is, and Russell Brand said this, is that, you know, they made the taxpayers, the government, gave them all kinds of money to develop this, and now they're taking all the profits from it. So, you know, it's... Right, make that make sense for me. Yeah. We funded a private business's research into a new drug, and they're going to make massive profits off of us yeah and all that was started under trump well that operation warp speed all that was was that was that was well into that was yeah mrna vaccines were already 20 years into the oh yeah at that point yeah it's Um, just a matter of you you can adjust it as you go yeah it's very adjustable it's it's part of that crispr gene uh uh, gene modification crispr is spelled c-r-i-s-p-r Look that shit up. Yeah, it's 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 supposed to be amazing for cancer research, but and there's always a but. Nobody knows where that research has gone. Mm-hmm. And right now, I, if anything did come out, I don't know if I believe it. I don't know, man. Like I don't want to believe that there's this huge nefarious uh, um, intent from these organizations. Or f- from these government agencies, but I think someone making seventy or eighty thousand dollars a year gets four hundred thousand a year put in front of them. Man, that shit's hard to say no to. Yeah, and I don't blame them. I don't blame them one bit. But that's how the system is set up. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, whoever those people are, they don't give two shits about you as a human being. I mean, think about this. Purdue and OxyContin knew OxyContin was addictive. Yet they went out of their way to get a, a, a bottle approved without a black box on it and then pushed and pushed doctors to prescribe it to everyone and everyone mm-hmm. and everyone and anyone, knowing it was addictive. Oh, yeah. Knowing that when they increased the dosage of the pill, they got paid more for it. Mm-hmm. Not if you took two forties. No, 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 no. They get more profit if they make one eighty. Yeah, one eighty uh, milligram pill, right? And they did that, and then they did a one sixty milligram pill, and they got paid more for that. There's more profit margin in it. Mm-hmm. They didn't give two shits about the addicts they created, knowing that they put out essentially what was heroin. Yeah. Like if you watch Dope Sick and Painkiller. And if you're not pissed off by the end of it, then nobody can help you. You maybe have a career in pharmaceutical sales. Maybe you do. (laughs) Or regulatory agencies. Right. (laughs) And I'm not saying the low-level people, the sales people, most of them probably don't know any of this shit. Mm -hmm. They're just there selling drugs. 
because they think they're buying what they're being told in the literature that the shit's good for people and all this other stuff. It's the people at the top and the people at the FDA that know that the data they're getting, the FDA people know the data they're getting is from the pharmaceutical company. Yeah, they just hold bullshit. They're not going to submit it if it's going to say their shit kills people. Right. What would be the point of submitting <laughs> it? You know that shit's getting denied. They're going to, and they don't even have to submit all of the data. They basically submit something written in crayon saying it, it creates unicorn poop, unicorn poop. Yeah. Or rainbow colored poop. And the FDA just takes it as fact. So, needless to say, I get a little worked up. <laughs> Want to thank Cheers of Spirits over the Arnold Station Plaza for providing the Bib and Tucker bourbon that I was drinking throughout this episode, which probably explains why I got a little excited toward the end. Um, also want to thank uh, Brian Schilling with Long and Foster Real Estate at AnnapolisHomeExperts.com. Uh, without them, this basement wouldn't exist. Well, it would exist, only we wouldn't be in it. Right. Uh, so the basement studio that we've created here exists because Brian helped us buy this home. Um, and then eight years after we bought it, we turned it into a studio. So if you need your basement studio, <laughs> contact Brian Schilling at AnnapolisHomeExperts.com. And get your podcasting uh, basement studio up and running. I want to thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.